I'm Liz Sabachik, and this is Humans of Tango, where we explore what tango has to teach through the experiences of those who dance it. When I have a beer, I stop growing gray hair. Wow. So how long have you been living in Buenos Aires? Almost five years. No, I say four years and a half. Yeah. And you love it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy here. At the beginning, I wanted to be here and just feel how was the tango in, in the capital of it. It was my first time here. And this is still the same. It's, it's, this is my first time in Argentina, but it's been four years and a half. <laughs> Nel Mastro Domenico paid a visit to Buenos Aires four and a half years back and decided to stay. But his love for tango started long before he made his way to its birthplace, when he still lived in his native Colombia. In Colombia, there is a listening culture for tango, like many people listen to this music, especially in Medellin and in those cities and towns where they cultivate the crop coffee and in 1935, Gardel died there in Colombia in a plane crash, the 24th of June. That's Carlos Gardel, a tango singer so legendary that his December 11th birthday, which he shared with tango musician Julio de Caro, is now celebrated as the International Day of Tango. And that was like a mark for us to be tangueros. He created a myth around him, but a myth in Colombia. Like We started to be tangueros practically because of that. When I started to listen to tango, I was 20. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of rock from Argentina. It's very popular in Latin America, the, the rock and roll from this country. And they always spoke about tango stuff in their songs. So that created in my mind some curiosity about tango. And one day in a magazine, they had a promotion and they were giving a CD in 1995. I got the CD of Carlos Gardel and this was my first contact with tango. Yeah. And I have it here because after all this time, my sister had it and I asked her to send it to me with a friend that was traveling from Bogota to Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. So I started with this CD. I fall in love with this. And progressively, I started to listen, 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 and more and more. And there started to be a collector and buy vinyls and learn more and more. I didn't dance at that time. And I wasn't really interested in dancing. I wasn't something that I was thinking that I was going to do. But while I was in Australia and I was pretty bored, <laughs> I said, okay, let's see what happens with tango here. And I started to have... Uh, dancing lessons there with an Australian teacher. So you went to Australia with a programming job? No, no, I went there to just study English and then see what happens. Okay. But do you have a connection to Australia? Like, it seems like an interesting jump. No, I had a friend that was living there and he encouraged me to go there and, and have a life, a better life there. Yeah. You know, like the American dream, but the Australian dream. Hmm? Something like that. But 
I couldn't make that happen, the Australian dream. And I have in here now the Argentinian dream around tango, <laughs> which is uh, actually better for me. So when I was there in this situation where I was just working and working and working and doing anything amusing or having fun or even making friends, I decided to go back to Colombia and get my life back. But before that, I, I I searched what was the tango move moving in Australia. And the only thing they had was milongas. They didn't have a bar like we have in Colombia. We have bars where you can just go and listen to tango and drink alcohol. That's just in Colombia. You, <laughs> you can't find a place like that even here. It's just like a small bar where they play tango the whole time. You learn a lot about the story, the history of tango, the orchestras, what's good, what's not that good. Hmm? And then progressively started to go to the milongas there and practicas. I made friends with the organizers and I told them that I had tango vinyls. And one day one of them said, why you don't bring the, your turntable here and you play a few tandas with those? Tandas are the sets of three to four songs that make up a tango social dance event. And I said, why? Yes, why not? And after a while I was playing the music with vinyls in Australia for their milongas. And I started to be a DJ there. And it was pretty easy to me because I knew the music. Yeah. And do you still use vinyls to DJ? Yeah, sometimes. But if they pay, well, it's worth for that. <laughs> because it is like two days of work just to, to do one gig. Because I have to prepare the turntables, a bag with 100 vinyls or something. Those things are pretty heavy and a couple of mixers. And sometimes I even take those speakers because I have the whole sound system. But most of the time I just play the music with my laptop. What I do is that I'm digitizing all the vinyls in high resolution. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm some sort of audiophile. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed with sound. With trying to make this sound the most natural possible as the record when they were made, no? Mm -hmm. I just cleaned the files a little bit, not much. Most of the files sound pretty good in as they are in high resolution. It makes a massive difference in the milonga. People feel the, the, the quality of the, of the sound. At the beginning, there were the orchestras playing in the, in the dance. Yeah? And once they could use recordings, they started to play those and created the tandems. And let's say that in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they were just using um, shellacs, vinyls, eh, or cassettes. And then in the 80s, no, let's say 90s or the beginning of this century, they started to use CDs and then MP3s, and that's the gap. When when you have a computer with lots of MP3 files that 
some of them have really poor quality because when they digitize all those files or all that music to be converted just in MP3, that was a, a lot of missing sound. Yeah. And it was part of, so, of what you had to play the music. If you had a computer that had a small storage device, you couldn't put more, lots of music there. But now we have computers with big storage devices and really fast ones. And it's making a switch where you can have good quality files and play better. But there is another side of the coin. There are a lot of music that is in the streaming platforms like Spotify. Yeah. And there are a lot of DJs that are just using Spotify to make a playlist and play from there. And when they when you do that, you have the risk of not having good files and some are faster than the original recording because they were speed up to put more files in, let's say in the side of a vinyl to put more songs in a CD. Hmm. But also because <laughs> this is a very funny thing. In 1935, when Gardel died, tango had a like, big impact here. People didn't want to dance. They were really sad. And then Darienzo, Juan Darienzo, he made what he did with the fast rhythm, staccato. And he brought people back to the dancing floor. And the, the companies wanted the other orchestras to play as fast as Darienzo. And even when they made a song or recorded a song that wasn't that fast, they speeded up the songs in the recordings. Even with Darienzo, you know, like, even if their songs were already fast, they made them faster than that. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that DJing and tango can mean different things for different people. For example, as a dance teacher, I used to organize practicas where students could practice dancing in an informal social environment. I played music for these events on my laptop or my phone, drawing from a modest digital collection, which I'm pretty sure includes some of those sped up recordings Nell mentioned and even used a Spotify playlist once or twice. In other words, I have DJed, but I don't consider myself a DJ. Nell approaches tango DJing as an art. Rather than queuing up a playlist and hitting the dance floor like yours truly, Nell chooses each song he plays one by one, including the clips of non-tango music known as cortinas, which separate the tandas. To do this, he draws from a deep knowledge of tango music and a developing knowledge of the dance. One thing is just going there and putting a playlist and press a click in the play button and probably just controlling the volume, changing a couple of songs in the go. But I think the function of every artist must be making happy in her, its audience. Right? And that's what I do. I play the best tango songs that I consider that are also very danceable. I used different criteria to build the tandas. I used some rules that are established now, like the same orchestra, the same singer, and the same time, like maximum five years, six years of difference between recordings. Mm -hmm. But I also think a lot in the song quality of each song, I want all the songs in the tandem to sound similar. And also 
the words of the song. The words are pretty important to me because they have a, an impression in the melody, depending on the intention of the song. What I mean is that if we are listening or speaking about a tango that is telling you a story about a neighborhood, hmm? it's very different than speaking about uh, a grief or a heartbroken. Hmm? Después de tanto tiempo de no verte, de no hablarte, ya cansado de buscarte siempre, siempre. Siento que me voy muriendo por tu olvido lentamente y en el frío de mi frente tu beso no dejará. Playing vinyls. It's practically like improvising in the go. Yeah. Let's say I go to an orchestra and I say my first stanza will be Troilo. That's Aníbal Troilo, a musician so beloved that his birthday, July 11th, is now celebrated as National Bandonian Day in Argentina, and whose 1941 recording of Toda Mi Vida is featured throughout this episode. And I have two or three vinyls of Troilo, and I just choose a few songs from there, but I need to play one song in one turntable and the next one in the other turntable. And that's the process that repeats the whole time in the milonga. I do the same when I'm digging with the laptop. Mm -hmm. I use a software that is similar to when you have two turntables and a mixer. Play one song here and the other song in the other side. And I'm choosing every song in the gold as well. And the cortinas too. Mm -hmm. And that creates a, a really good magic. Mm -hmm. People are very happy in the whole night. They don't stop dancing. And sometimes they ask me to stop playing good music for them to have a, a little rest. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, but some of that is like a collective, like that's, that's partly the atmosphere, right? Because you can't expect well, every single person to like every song on an objective level, but you're creating sort of a critical mass, I guess, of yeah, people enjoying themselves. I don't want to be pretentious, but when you do the things with your heart, you play with good sound. Hmm? and you play good music, most people, not all of them, but most people enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you have songs that you would say that are not like on the top 100 list of danceable tangos that you think are really great for dancing actually, and that you play at milongas and people love dancing to them, but they haven't like caught on outside of Buenos Aires, for example? Yeah, of course. You know what? Mm. I think the function of the tango DJ or person that starts to put the music, it's not to show how much they know about the music, but most to show people what they can dance and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> I think that's the combination of being also a dancer. Now I'm dancing more enjoying dancing more and taking lessons 
And for me, the most important part of it is just going to embrace. Mm -hmm. I want to connect with that person, with the music, and even the whole group. Yeah, because when you dance, you're not dancing just with that person that is in the embrace. You're dancing with the other ones too. And it's important to create a good space of respect because we're sharing the floor. The most important part for me is connection. Feeling like my, my nervous system is connected to the other ones. And I can even with my eyes closed feel everything in, in her body or his body. And it's spiritual. It's pretty spiritual when you when you reach that point. Yeah? Sometimes you don't even need to move. And sometimes you are in milongas here that are super crowded and you can't even move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just commune. Yeah. But <laughs> I have friends that are the different, huh? They just want to do movements, they don't care about the music, and it's normal, no? It's, I think. Okay, but everybody in Buenos Aires is supposed to care about the music. Nah. That's what we say outside no, of Buenos no, Aires. No. <laughs> and everybody no, no. is listening to the music there. <laughs> no, no. Well, you can tell that people, a lot of people care about the music, but not most of them. No. So I have many, many friends in the Milonga, and most of them, they tell me that I don't know what orchestra you're playing. Some people don't even listen to the words, even if they're Spanish speakers. Most of them just want to dance. But even if they don't know the music, even if they don't understand the words, or even if they don't know what orchestra is sounding, they unconsciously feel that the music is better when you're playing good tenders, when the sound is better. Mm-hmm. Because even, I think, that, for example, when the sound is better, you can go deeper in the embrace and, and, and relax more and feel more into the music, mm-hmm. even unconsciously, because you are, if you are with your eyes closed, you can even feel like you are in the middle of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. You're like immersed. You're immersed in the music. Yes, you are you don't have to be listening for what note is next. Exactly. When I'm playing the music, what I want is people to be happy and go happy to their places, to their homes. Hmm? Mm-hmm. When you do that with love, you take care of all those details. Yes. No? What the tanda is telling to that people, to those people that are dancing. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And most of them don't care about the words, but even if they're not caring, the music has that impression. Yeah, every song has that impression, that printing of love, or the neighborhood, or mm-hmm. friendship, things that are always there in time. With those elements, I can say that what I do is magic. And I play the music here in a milonga every Saturday. And the place is pretty nice. We have like a family there. Everyone that works in that place is pretty beautiful. It's like an underground local. And everyone at the end 
we finished very, very, very late, like almost at 6 a.m. every Saturday. <laughs> Everyone goes very happy to your places, and sometimes they are still wanting to dance. Troilo used to say, there is not new or old tango. There is just good tango. But there are a lot of things in recent tango recordings that make it a bit difficult to process, yeah? Because we are used to listen to tango that was recorded in the 40s in the or before or probably in the 50s and 60s, yeah? But in those times, there were no computers. And it's an appreciation I have. But I think that once the computers started to be in the recording systems, everything changed. Mm -hmm. It sounds different, sounds like more brilliant, more metallic. It's like this process that we're doing at this moment, talking through this software converts everything in a binary code. Mm -hmm. And when you do that to music, it changes something, yeah? You change a sound vibration for a code that needs to be processed by a computer, a computer brain, computer processor, and then become again a vibration. <laughs> and it's pretty different. So something and, gets lost in translation there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it is because to to the stream those things it needs to be compressed yeah and the compression now is pretty good but the brain notices them yeah if i play an instrument beside you it's very different than you hear through your phone or through facebook or instagram or whatever yeah? and people who know about this they say that even the most digital advanced recording system can't be better than a vinyl. A good vinyl from those times where everything was record, recorded in analog equipment with, with magnetic tapes. And I can hear that or experience that when I bring someone and they listen to my vinyls instantly. They feel the difference. Yeah, When you show that to someone with a good equipment like this, because that's important as well. If you're going to play a vinyl, you need to have good equipment. Otherwise it's better to use a, a CD or a digital media. Mm -hmm. But most people that when they come here and they listen to something, they're amazed with just a few seconds of what they're listening to. Mm -hmm. Nell's reverence for golden age tango goes beyond recording technology. In his interview, he described a gap he perceives between the formative music of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and much of the modern tango he's heard. Nell made it clear that this gap is subjective, based on how he feels when he listens. 
but he attributes it to the historical gap of several decades when tango lay dormant in Argentina and Uruguay in the wake of military dictatorships and rock and roll's explosion. In the 60s, like a lot of musicians started to do other things because they had to survive. Yeah. And I would say that practically in the 80s and 90s, nobody was playing tango in, in Buenos Aires. And then when dancing became popular again, after that small revolution that was made in the 90s and the beginning of the century, it started to grow up. And I think we're living like a, a new era where tango is growing again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And it's a good moment to, to encourage people to go deeper. Here's to letting our dreams lead and going deeper. Thanks to Nell and to the Internet Archive, where I found the recording that accompanies this episode, Toda Mi Vida, by Jose Maria Contorsi y Aníbal Troilo, performed by Aníbal Troilo y su Orquesta Típica with Francisco Fiorentino.